0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living.
1: I want what the Bible really and genuinely says. We're on Truth Quest. We want to know what the Bible says and how we're supposed to live. And if you live that way, it's like the children of Israel entering into the rest of that land that God calls it rest. And you and I entering into rest. If we say, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to do what the Bible wants me to do. Then we never enter into his rest
0: especially at this busy time of the year. Does anyone need a reminder, an invitation to partake in the rest that only Jesus can bring? The perfect prescription for rest can be found in Hebrews chapter four with an encouragement to let Jesus be our rest and where and how to find that rest. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary Tucson with our next installment in our series through the book of Hebrews.
1: Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be able to study your word. What a great privilege to be able to look at these words long written down that were given to us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that we would be spoken to by the warning that we find here, but more than the warning, that we would look at what the children of Israel didn't do, and we would do it because we want to enter into the rest that you have for us. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. The fourth chapter of Hebrews brings us the third of the six warnings that we find in the book of Hebrews. In fact, I think the best way to outline the book of Hebrews is through the warnings. Even though I understand that the warnings create problems for certain theological positions, the warnings are there for a reason. And people do all kinds of things to try to say that the warnings, they're not really for us, they're for the nation of Israel. They just try to do whatever they can do with the warnings. But I find that it's best for us to look at these warnings at face value and evaluate where we are and ask if we're doing the things that these warnings are telling us that we're doing. And here in this chapter, it talks about entering into rest. And it's going to talk about, it's gonna talk about the Sabbath day. So we know that it's saying there is a way that you and I can keep the Sabbath, that is different than they kept it during the law. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But they're also talking about entering into his rest through obedience. That when we say, I want to do what God wants me to do because he has my best in mind, because that's the best way for me to live by doing what, what the Bible tells me to do, by doing what scriptures tell me to do, by doing what ultimately God through his Holy Spirit tells me to do. And if I really believe that, and I do it, then I'm gonna be entering into God's rest. But if you say, eh, I am Christian, and I wanna follow God, but I don't know that I really wanna make a commitment to do everything the Bible says, you are not entering into his rest, and you are like the children of Israel. This is the example that they're gonna give us. Children of Israel are set free from Egypt, they're set free from slavery, praise God, they loot the Egyptians when they leave, The egyptians give them gold and silver for its wages for all the years of slavery that they've been there they leave they're delivered through the red sea the army of pharaoh is destroyed at the red sea they get to the promised land within i don't know 50 or days or so they make it to the promised land after stopping at mount sinai and getting the law so it might have been a little longer after that and then god says this is your land go in and take it now He has given the Canaanites, the people who live in Palestine at that time, 400 years to repent from their behavior. They were sacrificing their children. There were all kinds of other things they were doing that were unjust and wrong. And God judged them and said, I've given you 400 years to repent because you haven't done this. I'm going to remove you from the land. God told the children of Israel to go in and wipe them out, either wipe them out or remove them from the land. And I realize that's harsh. And that's for, we'll, we'll deal with that topic at another time. The whole topic is God a moral monster by asking that all of the, the Canaanites would be destroyed. Okay, they weren't. They were driven from the land and they were kept in the land. But we'll talk more about that at another point. But God brought them to the land and was ready to bring them into the land. And they went and spied it out. And there were some giants there. And so 10 of the spies came back and said, "Eh, it's true. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a great place, but uh, there's a lot of people there to fight, a lot of giants in the land. And Joshua and Caleb went in as two of the spies and they came back out and said, they're our fodder. God's going to fight for us. God's delivered them into our hands. Don't do this evil by not obeying God. And so what was their choice? be obedient and go receive the promised land or live in the wilderness or be slaves, go back and be slaves again in Egypt or go find another place to live? What were their choices of not being obedient to God? And I wonder if we don't have similar choices. In other words, We could be obedient. We could do the things the Bible tells us to do. We could live the life that God wants us to live. We could become the people that God wants us to live by listening to what scripture says and about how we're supposed to live. And can I just throw in by what scripture really says, not by what Christians say it should say, because every group like Pharisees likes to add on extra things for people. I just want to live what the Bible says. I don't want to live what you think the Bible says. I want what the Bible really and genuinely says. We're on a truth quest. We want to know what the Bible says and how we're supposed to live. And if you live that way, it's like the children of Israel entering into the rest of that land that God calls it rest and you and I entering into rest. If we say, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I don't want to do what the Bible wants me to do. Then we never enter into his rest. That's what this chapter is about. It's about encouraging us that we would discover the rest that God has for us. In uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, and I forgot to send these notes to the media team. So let me just read you what Matthew eleven twenty eight says. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is an invitation from Jesus. Come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, all of you who are weary. And I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What an incredible promise. That we might be burdened down now. If you're feeling the weight of life and you're just burdened down and you feel like you can't take anymore and you're living on the edge, then come to Christ. Discover the rest that He has, because living for Him is not a burden. Every so often, I talk to Christians who will say that. I remember talking to one guy who was like, "It's so hard, it's so hard. Being a Christian is so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard to be. It's so hard. It's not so hard." You're doing it wrong. If it's so hard, you're doing something wrong because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we pick it up in in verse one of chapter four. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, In, in the previous chapter, he had introduced the topic of entering into God's rest. And so he says, therefore, since a promise remains to enter into his rest, has been done away with, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Let there be fear that we could come short to entering into God's rest. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So you've got to think of the gospel here as in the term of good news, which is what the word gospel means. The good news was preached to us And the good news was preached to them. To them was the lands before you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm giving you this land. Go in and live for me in the land of Israel. That was the good news to them. We've been given the good news as well. Come to Christ. Receive him as your savior. Make a commitment. The Bible says if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And so the Christian who says, well, I love Jesus, but I just want to do what he says. Yeah, there's a real question as to whether or not you really love him. Because if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And John tells us the same thing in the book of 1 John. If you love him, you'll keep his commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, then you're probably lying. Doesn't mean you always keep his commandments, right? I always feel like I need to say that. I'm talking about this in the broad picture. We know that we make mistakes. We know we make bad decisions. We know we can go back to the cross. We can find forgiveness. But we have that desire to do what God wants us to do. That's what Christianity is about. When at the end of a service, I give you an opportunity, I say, is there anybody here who would like to give their life to Christ? I'd just like you to raise your hand. What you're saying is, I'm done living for myself and I'm now ready to live for him. You're you're not just paying your fire insurance. You're not just saying, what magic words do I say that I get to get into heaven? You're saying, I'm giving up my life and I'm going to live for him. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you'll save it. So you are giving your life to Christ to live the life that he wants you to live, to find the rest that he wants to give you. So indeed, the gospel was preached to us, verse two, as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they heard the word. So you're here today, you've come to church to hear the word of God. You haven't come to the church to just to hear me. You came for us to open up the scriptures and to see what God's word says. And so you've, you hear God's word. If it's not mixed with faith, it means nothing. The Bible says, be a doer of the word and not a hearer of the word only. I guarantee you as a pastor, I preach all the time to people who are just hearing. I preach all the time to people that are in the church that are here, but they're not even hearing. There are people that come to church every week and sleep every Sunday, not usually on Wednesday night, but every Sunday, they they settle in before I even start speaking. I'll tell people, look, if you're really struggling 20 minutes in, if 20 minutes in, you're like, I can't stay awake, then that's on me. I should be able to keep your attention, even if you're sleepy and tired. But if you sleep before I even start talking, that's on you. (laughs) If you don't even give me a chance, then that's on you. So if you hear God's word, then you have an opportunity to mix it with faith and find the results that come from that. But if you don't even hear God's word, then how can you mix that with faith? And so they heard what they were supposed to do, but they didn't mix it with faith because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't enter into the rest. And that's what you and I have to do as well. We hear what God says. We look at his direction. We study the word of God. When you genuinely become a Christian, one of the things that's transformed inside of you is that you suddenly have an interest to know the Bible, to know the word of God. It's the reason you start going to church. It's the reason we have people in two services on Wednesday night is because there's a hunger to know what God's word says, but you got to mix it with faith. That's what verse, the end of verse two is telling us. It didn't profit them because being mixed with faith in those who heard it, it wasn't mixed with faith. Then verse three, for we who have believed do enter that rest as he said, I sworn my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now he's going back to the account where they go, we don't want to go in. We, you, you brought us out here to kill us. So they start to accuse God. You brought us out here to kill our children. And so God says, all right, fine. You guys won't go in. I'll bring your children in. The very children that you said I was going to kill, I'll bring them in. So God swore, you won't enter into my rest. This generation is going to pass away. What do you think they did when they heard that? We're just joking. We're just joshing. We'll go in. And God's like, no. It's too late. There was a window open. For a time of faith, and when they wouldn't do it, that window closed. Now, this is really important for this chapter, because this chapter is going to unfold with a couple of statements that I say regularly that there's a window, there's a time frame at which God's working in your heart. And for them, that time frame closed, and God said, You will not enter my rest. And even though they wept and they cried and they said, no, let us go in, God would not let them go in because they didn't have faith enough in God. It's, it goes on to say in verse 3, so we who have believed and enter the rest, and he said, I swore in my wrath, you shall not enter. Although the works were finished from the foundations of the world, for he had spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works, And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now, he's going back to talk about the Sabbath day. He's bringing the Sabbath day into this chapter. And that needs to be done because he's talking about rest. And he says, God did all of the work and then he rested. So everything that you need, God has already done. He's not looking for a bunch of stuff to be done. That's why it's rest. And they didn't enter in, even though it was provided for them. Now, this also speaks to you and me about the Sabbath in general. Because there are people today that say that we need to keep the Sabbath. I mean, it's part of the Ten Commandments. I think it's the fourth, if I'm not mistaken, of the Ten Commandments, of the Decalogue. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And so, Sabbatarians will say, do you keep the Ten Commandments? Now, because I'm a little uppity, I like to say no. No. They ask you, do you keep the Ten Commandments? I go, no. They go, what, what? You don't keep the Ten Commandments? Well, I fulfill the commandments out of the law of love, right? The Bible says that if you love God and you love your neighbor, then you fulfill all the law and the prophets. So I fulfill everything out of love. But I don't believe that we're supposed to gather on Saturdays anymore. First of all, that was a covenant with Israel. go back and look at the details. We did a study not that long ago on this, maybe three or four months ago where we went back and we looked at all the Old Testament passages. I think it's called something like the Sabbath day in you. You can go back and look it up. We cover all of the details about all the promises and that it was definitely the nation of Israel that these were promised to and not people in general. And then the New Testament passages that we covered, let me just give you a few of them. In Colossians 2.16, it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink in regards to festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. So take away all that middle part. Let no one judge you in Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is in Christ. So the Sabbath day, the Sabbath year was a shadow of things to come. Romans fourteen five and six says, one man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he does not observe the day to the Lord, he doesn't observe it. So if you want to worship on Saturday, more power to you, just leave me alone. And if I want to worship on Sunday, more power to me. I just got to leave you alone. You do what you're going to do out of your own conscience to God. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. And by the way, the Sabbatharians, they rewrite the Sabbath law. The Sabbath said that you couldn't do any work on that day. They rewrote it to going to church. And they take the passage that says that Jesus, it was Jesus' custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And so they say, well, that means you got to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. It didn't say that. It says it was his custom to go because something was his custom doesn't make it a law for me. The Bible could very easily have said it was Jesus's custom to go to the uh, synagogue on the Sabbath and it should be your custom to go to church on Saturday. Could have said that, but it didn't say it. So the Pharisees and scribes rewrote the Sabbath law and then claimed Jesus broke it so, Sabbatharians today, Seventh day Adventists, and other Sabbatharian groups rewrite the Sabbath day and claim that I break it. I'm not, I'm not going by your rules. I'm going by what I find in the pages of Scripture. And it tells me that I can, can choose, be fully convinced in my own mind, and serve what day I want to follow. Hebrews 4 9. We're going to get to that in a minute on how we can keep our rest. And let me just let me just read you this one, too. Um, and that is that how you and I can keep the Sabbath day, because I am a Sabbatharian. I joke when I say I don't keep the Ten Commandments. I, of course, I keep all the Ten Commandments. But my rest, my Sabbath is in another way. We'll get to that in a moment. But in, in um, Matthew 5, 7 and 9, Jesus said this to the scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, "'Well did Isaiah speak of you, saying, "'These people draw near near to me with their lips, "'but their hearts are far from me, "'and in vain they worship me, "'teaching as doctrines the commandments of men.'" That's what the scribes and Pharisees did to Jesus. They added their rules to the Sabbath and they taught as doctrines the commandments of men. And it's the same thing the Seventh-day Adventists and other Sabbatarian groups do today. They teach as doctrine the commandments of men. They have their plans, they, they have their, 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 doc, their doctrines, but, they, their, but they're the commandments of men and not the scriptures. So our goal is to find out what the Bible says. So let's come back to, let's come back to uh, verse uh, six. So it says, since therefore it remains that some must enter it and those to whom it was not, it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, That was their problem. They were disobedient. God said, go in, take the land. And they were like, no. So how many things out of the word of God, God, does God's word tell us to do? And we go, no, I'm not going to do it. Or God's word says, don't do it. And we go, no, I'm going to do it. So that's the reason they didn't enter into their rest. Verse seven, again, he designates a certain day, saying, David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He's talking about those people who wouldn't go in, then they wanted to go in. And God says, today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Because you don't know how many more times God's going to be speaking to you, giving you an open door. So that if you're here tonight and you've never made a commitment to Christ, and and you're hearing now what it means to be a Christian, that you say, I'm going to live my life for Jesus now. If you're hearing that and considering it, don't harden your heart. Because you might not have that drawing again. The Bible says in John 6, no one comes to the Son unless the Father first draws him. That means God's got to be moving in your heart for you to be able to come and give your life to Christ. And so if you hear God's voice today, don't take it as a light thing. God says, uh, I need to get the address for this verse. But the Bible says, my people constantly put things in front of them that cause them to sin. Should I allow myself to be heard by them at all? God's saying, if they're not going to do what I'm saying, why should I speak to them? People say, well, it's so dry. I just don't hear from God anymore. I used to sit in church and I'd be spoken to. It's just so dry anymore. Are, are you doing what you know you're supposed to be doing? If God were to speak to you tonight, would you be willing to go, yeah, okay, God, I, want, I hear that. I'm, I'm ready. Because if you're not, then maybe that's the reason. If you're like, I, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do then maybe that's the reason that God's not speaking to you. And that if you had the heart to say, I want to do what you want me to do, which is what this passage is encouraging us, that there is a rest to enter into. And when we do that, we discover what life in Christ is really about. I'm not saying that there's never any difficulties. I'm not saying that we're never asked to do anything that's hard. I'm saying a life in Jesus is better than a life apart from Christ. And a life in Christ is entering into rest. And a life apart from Christ is works. And so he says, if today you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Now in verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest. Okay, so now we have a Joshua, not a Moses. Chapter 3 talks about the superiority of of Moses, of Jesus over Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than the angels, chapter 1, chapter 2, and 3. Jesus is greater than Moses. Okay. So in this chapter, Jesus is greater than Joshua. But do you remember what Jesus' Hebrew name is? Joshua, which means God is salvation. And do you remember how we got that name? There's an angel who told Mary, and, and in a dream, an angel that told Joseph, and you shall call his name Joshua. Now, we anglicize that into Jesus, and it's more than just that, but that's, we do that so but the name literally is joshua so there was a joshua that brought them into the promised land and gave them rest and there's a joshua that brings us into the land and gives us rest we gain our rest through our joshua and our joshua is greater than that joshua that joshua was able to give them rest but we have a joshua that gives us rest as well
0: thank you for joining us for practical christian living with robert furrow We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus south of Palo Verde and I-10 meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life, or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson, or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living. Do you love Jesus? you want to dig deeper in your walk with God, then you are a great fit for Reach College. With enrollment opportunities to attend as a student or an auditor, the courses challenge you to analyze your way of thinking as you grow in your walk with Jesus. Find out more at thereachcollege.org. That is thereachcollege.org.